Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hey, guys, I'm so excited to be back. Filippo, how are you doing? Doing good. Happy to be back. Hopefully soon we can ramp it up and get maybe two episodes a week. Who knows? <laughs> Let's see if our schedules allow that. But guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to every single one of you and everyone, especially who left a review, a rating. We really do appreciate it. Filippo, we promised that we would read one of the ratings or one of the reviews rather uh, this week that people have left. Do you happen to have one of those handy so let's see if i do right now i can't really find it so i don't have it handy what i'm gonna do right now and this is my mistake not pete's <laughs> we two next week two reviews next week okay how about uh, what that? if i find it here real quick but let, let's get back to that first i think let's just briefly tell people what we're going to talk about today so they get an idea of what's coming on the show we're going to begin with talking about the frostbite gate <laughs> the matt turner situation that has come to light even more recently that perhaps the media and u.s soccer were not as upfront or straightforward with the fan base as they should be about what really happened to matt turner in minnesota that fateful night we're going to talk about the world cup draw now remember last time Filippo and i sat here recording this podcast we were not qualified for the world cup we are now qualified we have covered the World Cup draw both in live streams, and I did a bracket prediction on YouTube on the 11 Yanks channel. You guys can check that out. Filippo, your bracket prediction will be out on Wednesday, right? Correct. Correct. But other than the bracket predictions, we wanted to talk a little bit about some other uh, you know, early predictions, golden boot, why Germany and Brazil is such a point of contention for the two of us. We seem to disagree on that. Um, perhaps some of the players who will perform well, who will exceed expectations, and who will be a disappointment in this World Cup. We're also going to talk about CONCACAF Champions League, which returns uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. You guys will be listening Tuesday. So New York City versus Seattle. And then we're also going to talk about the UEFA Champions League, in which many Americans are participating in the quarterfinals. So, ah, Filippo, before we get into the soccer part, how are you feeling? What have you been up to? I'm still recovering from the past two weeks. 
every time there there's a u.s men's national team camp it's so much work right it's the regular work we have on day-to-day to life and the coverage at the channel and, and this time we didn't even really catch a break right after because we had the group stage draw the world cup that we're going to talk about today so still recovering from that but i think i'm still on that world cup high from the united states being back so the energy doesn't go down i'm looking forward to today's episode what about yourself how's your knee doing uh, my knee, unfortunately, there's been a mix up between my doctor's office and the insurance. So I'm still waiting on them to approve the MRI. It was a little frustrating. I was on the phone with them this morning. Um, it is looking like it's going to be approved this week so I can find out exactly what's wrong with it. I'm still in a brace. I'm still limping. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get through it. <laughs> <laughs> I know a thing or two about knee injuries. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it- it's 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 a hassle and, and and dealing with the insurances and doctors is not much easier or better than the injury itself i'll tell you that yeah yeah it's been something but my sister is visiting uh she lives in dallas she's visiting me over the weekend so we've you know spent some time together showed her the sites in la went up to the hollywood sign you know the usual touristy stuff that people like to see when they come to town so mm-hmm. that's been cool want to jump right into it now sure um i have a review here to read from uh, Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. We have 149 ratings. 146 of them are five stars, so that's really awesome. You guys have really come through, and we appreciate it. This review is from Dean B. Wheels. He says, Tack and Pete, I listen to your YouTube videos and epic Orlando vlog, but your podcast here is taking it to another level. Bringing in the excitement of World Cup nations, we need to start thinking about is a lot of fun. Thank you, Tack, for the intro to that. My first exposure to competitive soccer was the U.S. dethroning Valderrama's hair in 1994. My Cal Berkeley grad school lab mates from Europe assured me it was a big deal at the time. I'm originally from Evansville, Indiana, near the straight red card guys, but now live in New Jersey. Last week when Tack said the USA would be in pot three at best, I was disheartened. But looking at the FIFA rankings psyched me that we were solid pot two. It's critical. Another reason to go for the win in San Jose against the Ticos. This was before the Costa Rica game, I'm guessing. Didn't I say we were guaranteed? I said we were guaranteed pot two. Yeah, so he says you fixed it in this podcast. I oh, think okay. you clarified. Yes, I wish we had a distributing midfielder as accurate in tight space as Kyle Beckerman. Not sure about that one. We also need the Dempsey Bocanegra generation to teach our current USMNT how to get more out of set pieces. Why is it harder now? Are other CONCACAF teams more skilled on defense or just taller now on average than they were 10 to 20 years ago? Best comment so far was that Gio Reyna looked like he went to tax Barber. Sincerely, Dean Clark. Well, thank you, Dean. We appreciate all the kind words. And maybe, you know, set pieces is something that we can talk about in a separate podcast because we weren't really prepared for that question. But it's a good point. Why are we not as good on set pieces, either attacking or defending? And that's a whole different discussion. But thank you, Dean, and everybody else for all the reviews. We'll keep reading reviews um, with every podcast. So it is much, much appreciated. Are you ready to dive in, Tack? I've been ready for an hour. Let's go. (laughs) So the first thing is um, what I'm dubbing frostbite gate. And I think for a lot of people, this conversation is becoming old, right? For those of you who are not familiar, um, a few weeks after the, you know, um, the USA game against Honduras in Minnesota, the one where they played in Arctic conditions, you know, Matt Turner was injured and there was a rumor that he had frostbite. Now, this rumor was started by fan base, but there was no evidence for it. So I didn't really comment it on it 
on it at the time. I said, there's no evidence, so I'm not going to make any comment. I don't really know what's happening. Bruce Arena at the time was asked about his injury, and he said he didn't want to talk about the injury, which made it even more suspect. Now, what's important, and, and really one of the reasons that this is important, Tech, in my opinion, is because, A, we have a transparency problem with USSF, right? They don't like to tell people what's going on, for sure. They don't like to admit when they're wrong. And when there is news that seems to paint them in a bad light, they appear to do their best to obfuscate, cover up, and deny that news instead of be open and honest and transparent about it. Unfortunately, the typically the sort of antidote to this is journalism, media, who you know are supposed to hold you accountable, who are supposed to ask uh, these hard questions and call out things like this when it happens. In, in soccer in America, our media does not do that. Our media is more like PR agents for the Federation rather than journal, journalists. And so which is worse. Calling. Huh? Which, by the way, it's worse than staying silent. Because just to add, and sorry to interrupt, they labeled fans as conspiracy theorists and made fun of many people that were talking about the frostbite. Like Pete said, I also didn't comment on it until we heard it from Turner. Because Turner accidentally said it a week ago, right? Yeah. And then Bruce Arena, was it yesterday or two days ago? I believe it was yesterday. He actually confirmed it, right? Right. And the media that called everyone a conspiracy theorist and everything, they don't even apologize for it or mention it at all. So, again, what they do is just disingenuous and makes them lose the little credibility they still had. Like the very little because they don't have right. any with me anymore. They don't have no. any credibility with me, the, the media, but they lost the little they had. And it was kind of kind of embarrassing what they did. And just to clarify for people, uh, Matt Turner's comments were, were that his current injury had nothing to do with the frostbite. His current injury was a fractured foot uh, that he suffered in training with New England. However, he did have tendonitis after the game, which Matt Turner himself said was ex exacerbated or caused by running on a, a frostbitten foot because he was running back and forth in order to try to stay warm, right? Um, and then he quickly, you know, printed or, or made a statement saying he didn't want to, you know, help anybody out with any of their narratives. It was almost like he doubled back down and, and was like, oh, it has nothing to do with this injury. And that's fine, Matt. We know it has nothing to do with your current injury, but it doesn't mean it was acceptable that U.S. soccer put our athletes our national team players that represent our country in a position where their health and safety was at risk. And then on top of it, tried to discredit rumors uh, about what was happening. Now, again, the fan base here feels like are doing the job that media is supposed to be doing. And this is why they like to call the fan base toxic, right? Because they, the fan base has to do, look, I don't think the fan base would be as riled up if U.S. soccer had come out, let's say, and, and this is what I think should have been done. If U.S. soccer had come out and said, look, this decision to play in Minnesota at the time uh, didn't seem like a terrible decision because of the weather predictions. However, we should have understood that weather is unpredictable and the potential for, for you know, real Arctic conditions was possible. We probably should not have scheduled the game there. We'll keep this in mind going forward. If they had said that, I think most fans would have been like, okay, well, you made a mistake. You live and you learn. But they never admitted they were wrong to do that. And then on top of it, they really try to cover up this injury 
from Matt Turner that was based on frostbite. I mean, Reggie Cannon's ears were like frost nipped at the very least, if not frostbitten. Honduras said some of their players got hypothermia. So there's a lot of stuff that like they're just not commenting on. They're not saying anything about it. And then when the fans say, hey, what's going on with this? It's like, oh, you're toxic or you're not, you know, credible or you're conspiracy theorists, whatever it is. And I think it's important that we talked about this and why you and I keep highlighting this because not enough people are in the media. So we end up having to do their jobs for them. Well, because our media, our media is toxic. That's what they need to come to conclusion. What they do is just projection. They project them, th themselves into the fan base and they say they, they call the fan base what they are. Right. Yeah. I'm not calling the media conspiracy theorists because they didn't really make a conspiracy theory, but they lied. They straight yeah. up lied. They straight up lied and they try to discredit the fan base. Same way they try to discredit criticism, shutting the fan base by saying everything the fan base criticizes is toxic. So our media, unfortunately, is disingenuous. They're liars. And they did it again. And they try to label a bunch of people as conspiracy theorists. And I think I would have a little bit of respect for them if they came out and like, well, crap. We were wrong. We were wrong. Sorry, we didn't really have the whole information. And we thought the frostbite thing was a joke from a fan. So we messed up. But they're completely silent about it. Yes. Right? Completely yeah. silent. So the problem is not making mistakes, right? Like we right. Pete just said, we all make mistakes, some more than others, right? U.S. Soccer Federation, unfortunately, they only make mistakes. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, they get that credit. But nonetheless, to say, when you make a mistake, it's you just own up to it and you say, "I'm sorry, I messed up with that. Won't happen again." Sorry, guys. We cool. We cool. But their whole thing is just to stay quiet about it, right? They yeah. call us names and everything but but honestly i think we talked in, enough about this topic and people know who our media is or who they are at this point and that's and again it's not everyone in the media okay just to make it clear it's not right. everyone in the media is it a vast majority yes it's yeah. a vast majority i'm not gonna go calling out names i've called out many names already on twitter i'm not mm -hmm. gonna go calling it out here i'm not looking for drama they know who they are so that's why that matters. And that's why I think it was important for us to bring up again and just clarify why these issues are so important. But let's move on to the exciting topic, the World Cup. Filippo, I'm still feeling the high of the Friday draw. I'm still sort of walking on clouds a little bit. I'm just so psyched that we're going to be there and that there's going to be so much, not just with the U.S. and Brazil and CONCACAF and Germany and whoever else that we're really looking forward to see, but just, just the celebration of soccer that the World Cup is. I'm so looking forward to this. Yeah, and there's if there was ever a World Cup for upsets and for many different things we haven't seen before to happen, it's this one, right? The first thing, it's the first World Cup to be played in the middle of the season, right? It's going to be yeah. in the middle of the season, so we don't know how that's going to impact the teams, right? No. Players that play in Europe will technically be in the peak of their form um, if they're healthy um, we'll see how that's going to benefit them Qatar different weather conditions a lot of things that are different and not just probably that. less preparation time because typically in the summer teams get a full month together before the World Cup We're, I don't think they're going to get that this time around they're going to get three weeks max maximum max. maximum yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how that impacts teams and cohesiveness and, and other things like that absolutely and, and not just that um, Looking at soccer as a whole now, uh, I think as time goes on, teams are getting better. 
and the better teams, it's not that they're stagnating. It's just that it's harder to get better when you're so good. Mm. And I think this World Cup might be one of the most balanced ones, right? Mm. The, the groups looked more balanced. There's a lot of quality in nations that usually just go there to get spanked. Yeah. But it doesn't look like it's going to be this. Now, I can be totally wrong. And there can be a bunch of nations that get spanked. We're going to find out in seven yeah. months. But it's looking like it's going to be very balanced, which leads to some unexpected results. Some dark horses. We saw that in 2018 already with Qatar or with um, Croatia. That was yeah. a dark horse and unexpected. So it's yeah. looking like that in the different calendar. I don't know. I'm I'm very excited for this. Um, despite the group stage draw, the show being as bad as it can get, um, <laughs> I'm still pumped about this. Yes, for sure, for sure. But I so have I, one problem though. I have one problem though. Yes. What's your problem? You did a prediction video. Okay. And you knocked out Brazil and the U.S., right? You knocked yeah. out U.S. in the round of 16. Yeah. I'm not going to debate that one much because mostly I agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, even though I think we can still pull through Senegal, I agree with you there. We could. Yes. We could, but not the favorites. It's not likely, but you, no. But you knocked out Brazil against Germany. In the quarterfinal. In I the did. quarterfinals. And and, and uh, for anyone that doesn't know, if Brazil and Germany go through in first place, which is the most likely scenario, they will face each other in the quarterfinals. And Pete decided to knock out the best team in the world, the Germany. What's up Ooh. with that? So there were a couple of comments that said he just said that because of his girlfriend, which I think is hilarious because she doesn't yeah. even watch my videos. Um, for those of you who don't know, my girlfriend is German. But the reason I said that, Tack, is because there's no denying Brazil has amazing talent in every position and considerable depth of talent as well. Like the drop-off between their starter and the substitute in almost every position is minimal, right? That being said, I think that Brazil's issue going into the World Cup, and it's not that I don't think they're going to do well. I think that mentally, I just don't know if they always show up, right? This is where I think Brazil shows up to World Cups with good teams but they don't always know how to win when it matters, win when they're not playing well, win when the pressure is on. And to be fair, we've seen this in the last, what, four World Cups, 6, 10, 14, and 18. Brazil is always a candidate, but ultimately when it matters, they don't always show up. And I think it's more of a mental issue for Brazil. Yeah, I have a couple counters to that. The first one being right away, the since 06, this is the most talented Brazilian gen group since 06, right? And 06 was probably actually one of the most talented groups ever, right? The group had Adriano, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Kaká, but they had some few off-the-field issues, right, with Ronaldinho yeah. bringing women into the middle of training, yeah. too much partying in the middle of the World Cup. But anyhow, talent-wise, this is the best one that Brazil has had in a decade. Neymar is not alone for the first time. I think Vinicius has proven he is a world-class player. At this mm -hmm. point, when you're at age 21, getting 15 goals, 15 assists in La Liga, balling out for Real Madrid, quarterfinals, helping knock out PSG, that plays a big role because Neymar has been alone this whole time. At one point, many thought Coutinho was going to be that, but he never really turned out to become that. Second thing is tactically, there are two pieces in this team that came together that fit in the tactics that Chichi was trying to implement a while back, right? With the inverted wingers pinching in. With the addition of Anthony and Rafinha, which are two amazing wingers that are lefties and can play on the right wing, you open up space to have Vinicius and Neymar on the other side, one or the other, because Neymar might even play center forward or play as a 10 
right? Mm. That that does benefit him. So Brazil has a lot of different tactics, different tactical flexibility from Chichi. This team is very experienced, right? Almost all these players were in 2018. Almost all of them. Um, this besides those wingers, if you look at the roster, the goalkeepers were there, the center backs, Marquinhos and Thiago Silva. Dani Alves will be a backup right back. Casemiro was there. Neymar, Gabriel Jesus was there. Firmino, all these guys were there. There's experience, there's talent, there's depth, and it's the same coach. So he's continuing his job and he's leaving after the World Cup. I think Brazil right now is more talented than Germany. I think there's more options than, than the current German roster. Not putting, not by a lot. It's definitely not by a lot. It's okay. a little bit. And then in terms of Germany, Hansi Flick is probably a better coach than Chichi, which also is not by a lot, in my opinion. But I do think Chichi has a better grasp of this group right now. He's been around for five years. This is his last couple months. Hansi Flick took over right after the Euro. So it's been, it's going to complete a year now, roughly a little over a year. And facing Germany, if this Brazilian side faces Germany, certain players that are leaders of this group will and have to take it personal. Neymar, and that could, be, that could actually be a bad thing, not a good thing. Okay, could because, be both. Yeah, it could be both. Because when you get emotional about a result like that, it can make you better or it can make you crumble. And and this is the thing. Brazil's talent is not the problem with Brazil, for sure. You're probably right. They have more talent on paper than Brazil. Uh, but I mean, than Germany. But again, my question is the mentality and the ability to execute under pressure when it matters consistently throughout the World Cup and I think mostly they will, but I think if they face Germany in that quarterfinal, I trust Germany's almost like stoic machine-like ability to like crank out a result than I trust Brazil. I think they'll be beautiful. I think they'll be free-flowing. I think they'll even create a lot of chances. The other question I still have is about Neymar. I'm concerned he might become a cancer in the locker room. Not a cancer in the sense that he's like bad, but that he takes so much spotlight on him that he actually hinders the team instead of helps it sometimes. So two things. I think it, Neymar is the crucial the crucial player here to talk about because it's, despite Brazil's struggles on the fullback position, I think Brazil's fullbacks are capable enough to not yeah. be a reason they lose, right? They won't and by help. the way, Germany has fullback issues too. Exactly. So that might match. And Germany also has center forward issues because I don't think Timo Werner is at the same level as most of these German players. And so does Brazil. So does Brazil. That's why Neymar was even tested at the false nine so that Vinicius can play with him. And that might just work. We'll see. Nonetheless to say, what I heard from people that know the Brazilian squad, know the players and know everything, including friends of mine that know them, Neymar is very good with the players in the locker room in Brazil. They're all very close friends. They all get along, and Neymar's a good leader there. The concern they have with Neymar is during the game, right? Mm. The whole flopping on the floor, yelling at the ref, trying to hit the opponent, getting a red card, punching a fan, leaving the stadium. That's their main concern. The locker room, they said Neymar, at least with Brazil, they love him, great leader. Uh, they all party together a little too much sometimes. But the main concern is that. What will be Neymar's attitude in the field? Is he going to be like 2018, rolling on the floor, yelling right. at the ref, changing his haircut every game? Is right. that going to be the Neymar? Or is it going to be a Neymar that's serious and focused on one thing, which is winning the trophy? Right. Nonetheless to say, I think one thing we can say, I think Brazil is going to go through. You think Germany will go through. If this game happens, it's going to be one beautiful game. It's going to be Imagine. a hell of a game. 
Yes. It's a beautiful game to watch. There's going to be so much going on there. You and I, of course, will be covering it. But you mentioned something that I would like to explore a little further. You talked about Brazil not really having a striker, Germany not really having a striker. This isn't common to just Brazil and Germany. If you look around the world, the pure center forward, the nine who scores goals, is I don't want to say they're dying because that's not fair, but there's we're not creating as many of them as we used to. Look at the U.S. We have our own problems at center forward. Outside of Raul Jimenez, so does Mexico, right? Um, there are still some great center forwards. Karim Benzema and Robert Lewandowski, for example, are two top, top center forwards in the world. But they're both in their 30s, right? They're kind of from an era gone by. Holland is an emerging center forward. But if you look around world football right now, Harry Kane, I suppose, is another. Vlavic, Vlavic too. Right. There are, they do exist. But before, 10 years ago, it was like almost every team had good center forwards or at least more than half the team. A lot, if you look around this World Cup now, a lot of teams don't have pure center forwards. And here's why, what I think. I want to hear your thoughts. I think that as soccer football development has continued to evolve, players are getting into academies at younger ages, right? You know, in England, five, six years old, they can sign academy papers and go into an academy. So instead of the way that players used to be developed in most of the world was they would play with their friends in the park, in the streets, in the favelas, in the, you know, in the beach, and they would develop those soccer skills, technical skills from a very young age. And then at, you know, 12, 13, they would get into an academy and they would become more well-rounded players. I think that football has been on a crusade, world football, to create such well-rounded players that are good with both feet, good on the ball, not so many weaknesses, that we've taken away the strengths of a pure, instinctive, nose-for-goal nine, and we've turned everybody, not everybody, but a lot of players into machines instead of artists. What are your thoughts on that? I didn't think about this so much, so... I'm going to go a lot, a lot of what you said is true. Uh, could it be the re one of the reasons? He, uh, I mean, the greatest center forward of all time to me is Ronaldo Phenomenon. And he mm. grew up playing at San Cristóvão in Rio de Janeiro, a place that was even nearby where I lived. And it was essentially what you just said. He played a lot of pickup, a lot of futsal, and he became that center forward we all saw. Yeah. Um, we're th there's definitely a cycle where we're producing less center forwards. I don't know the exact reason. I would probably have to do some research and think about it myself. For sure. But that happens even with evolution of every game, right? You think of like, I like to use sometimes the NBA as an example, right? I know you don't follow it maybe as much, but mm. NBA goes through cycles where center the centers are vital, right? You play with the big man. And then there was the Golden State Warriors shifting it to three-point shots. And then a bunch of like, you go small ball where you play with no center. And then the center comes back now or it has right. or it will, it will eventually. So I think maybe soccer is going through that cycle and eventually it'll come back. Yeah. But right now we're definitely going through a moment in time where there's not as many elite center forwards as we once have. And if you look at a team like Liverpool, their goals come from the wings. Yeah. Right. Chelsea, it comes from it's diverse midfielders, yeah. center backs, defenders, <laughs> defenders. So we're going through a time like that, that it's been changing, but it's part of the game. It's shifted a lot, quite a bit. Yeah, it could just be a moment, right? And and five years from now, we will start having a lot more center forwards. But I think it's worth noting. And I think it's worth sort of examining. Maybe we need to do, go do more research of why it is happening. Is it just, is there a cause for it? Or it just happens to be a moment in time, a snapshot that we're taking out of context. It's possible. It's maybe possible. we need to even look up and see if actually there are less quality center forwards. 
or if we're just thinking there is, and then when we actually count, it's kind of like similar. I don't know. We need to look into possible. it a little bit more. It's possible. Scouting it's possible. could play a role. There's more scouting nowadays, so it's harder to attack um, than it has ever been. It could be unreasonable. Defenders could be better now than they once were. Usually they used to be just these very athletic guys, right? The defenders. Now they're agile, athletic. Well, agile. They're technical. They're smarter. So, yeah, it could be all of that combined. Um, For sure. We need to look into it maybe a little bit more. But I like that you brought up that topic. And I want to ask you, who's going to be the golden boot winner this year? Golden boot is the top scorer of the World Cup. And since we're talking about how there's no center forwards, who's your center back that's going to win the golden boot, Pete? Center back. Oh, <laughs> I'm joking. No. I'm joking. I'm joking. Just <laughs> if there was a center back, out of curiosity, who would be the most likely center back to win a golden boot in world, in world soccer? I'm just going to put Marquinhos um, <laughs> because I couldn't think of anyone quickly from the top of my head. Well, who's a center back? I mean, if you're going to ask me like midfielder, I would definitely throw Weston McKinney there because that guy can score. Certainly. Um, certainly. Center back? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But as far as golden boot, um, I, I have Kylian Mbappe as my golden boot winner. Um, I don't have France winning the tournament. I do have them getting to the semifinal. Um, or no, to the final, I'm sorry, against Germany is what I had in my bracket, France versus Germany in the final. But I, I have Kylian Mbappe as the golden boot winner. So I actually have Lautaro Martinez um, from Argentina. I think he can bang in a few goals against Saudi Arabia. True. Um, and that can maybe put him in a position to win that. And I also think Argentina will go deep, probably at least the semifinals. And if they go that far, he'll get enough games. The third place game... So I have Lotaro, and I think Argentina's success in this World Cup is heavily reliant on him being the center forward and him scoring, right? Yeah, Messi's not going to carry off of Messi. Messi's not going to carry the team on his own. He'll play a vital role, but Lotaro has to step up on the goal scoring. So yeah. because even Julian Alvarez, he can score, but sometimes Julian plays more as a, almost like a playmaker sometimes, deeper yeah. and even wide. So Lotaro have to step up and. I think getting a couple goals, he could maybe score a goal or two against Mexico. That's another one that defense will struggle to hold him off. Uh, even Poland, to be honest, yeah. it's not a team that will hold him off as much. So I think Lotaro could be a golden boot candidate, a strong one. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to see. But both, I think, have a shot for sure. Um, who is your, I don't want to say dark horse, because the dark horse is kind of like who could win, who's not going to win. But who's the team that's going to like be a positive surprise the most? So I have Serbia, um, mm. actually. And doing the bracket a few times, I had them going in second place in the group okay. of Brazil, which is fair. That will probably that is one strong possibility. And when you look at their route, um, they'll face probably Uruguay or Portugal. They've already okay. been, they've already um out like i wouldn't say b but they finished ahead of portugal in world cup qualifying so they can beat okay. portugal they can beat portugal uh uruguay in my opinion as well so that would put them in the quarterfinals which in the quarterfinals they'll be facing spain or germany depending on who goes first or second i had germany going first just like you so they would face spain and i think they can beat spain uh are they the favorites against spain no but but spain does have also they probably have the biggest center forward problem of all the title contenders. It's Spain. Yeah. yeah. So I think Serbia could be the team to beat Spain. And if they beat Spain, they're in the semifinals. From there on, who knows, right? Yeah. That's kind of like what happened to Croatia. And they would be in the same bracket as England. 
Mm. And you know how England, this is the perfect game for England to bottle, right? This yeah. is what England loves to do. And then you look at, we talked about like how Vlavic is there, Jovic, another option, Mitrovic up top, Savic in the midfield, strong defense, big players. If the coaching is right, the tactics are right, and they're in form, this is a team I can I can see making a quarter or semifinals. I don't think they'll pull a Croatia. I think that might be too much. But yeah. a quarter or semi is nothing too crazy for this side. And it's unexpected. Hmm. Okay. What about you? So it's interesting that you said Serbia because my quote-unquote dark horse comes from the same group. Switzerland is my mm. choice. Uh, I have them finishing second over Serbia. And it's interesting. If one of our dark horses goes through, very likely it's because the other one didn't. Unless we believe Brazil is not going through, which let's face it, that's not going to happen. Likely not. Likely not. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe that Serbia-Switzerland game, we should do a live stream for it. But I have Switzerland both because of the talent that they have. They have so many, so much top talent, whether it's their goalkeeper or it's Embolo or even, uh, you know, Shakiri, who despite the fact that he's now in MLS, I think is still an excellent player. And they have many others in that roster. But it's also the fact that Switzerland, this Switzerland team is in their prime and has been playing together for so long. They really have a strong tightness and cohesiveness about them. And so, again, like Serbia, I don't expect them to make a final. Or like you said about Serbia, rather, I think a quarterfinal or even a semifinal is not out of their reach. In my bracket, I have them going out to Spain, though, in the quarterfinal. So that's where I have them. But so I pretty still much think the they're going to be a surprise. The huh? same pretty much we picked almost the same dark horse, the same scenario. Same scenario, different teams. Yes. Also, uh, quite fun fact, in 2018, Brazil was in the same group as Serbia and Switzerland. They were in the oh, same really? Group. Yeah. And oh, Brazil tied really Switzerland. Weird. Brazil defeated Serbia. And Brazil also had Costa Rica, obviously. But yeah, but yeah they were they were in the same group. Serbia, Switzerland, Brazil were in the same group in 2018. Oh wow. How did I not remember that? That you're right. Okay. Yeah. What's what's interesting about this though is, in my opinion at least, the 2018 version of Switzerland is about the same as now, or maybe a little bit worse, but I think it's about the same level. But Embolo, uh, man, Embolo was not the same player back then. I didn't think even think he was there. Shakiri, Shakiri is a, was a better. Older. I think they're about the same overall. The team is mm -hmm. probably about the same. But Serbia got better. So this is going to be an interesting group to follow along. And, and the problem is a lot of people look at Brazil and they think Brazil is just going to run over this group. They're fine. It's going to be a very tough group for Brazil. If they fall yeah. asleep in one of these games, they can very much lose to Serbia or Switzerland. And who knows? I mean... I still think they'll qualify because out of the three games, they'll win probably at least two. But mm -hmm. it's a team that it's not going to be a walk in the park for Brazil. Like we talked about, the national team seems so much more balanced than before, even the top yeah. nations. Which is what you want, right? You want a more competitive World Cup. You want a World Cup where a lot more upsets can happen because that makes it more exciting. If it's just the same six teams fighting for a title every time, it gets boring. So it's good to see. And it's good to see some of these medium teams actually getting better talent. I mean, just look at Switzerland's, you know, their lineups. I mean, you look at, obviously, they have Jan Sommer in goal, Ruben Vargas, who plays for Augsburg, Briel Embolo has been amazing for Mönchengladbach. They still have Granit Xhaka. Obviously, Shakiri is there. Dennis Zakaria. I mean, they have so many players that I think can be a huge, huge Manuel Akanji for Dortmund. Like, it's going to be a lot harder. Uh, even Kevin Kevin Mbabu, Mbabu from Wolfsburg. Mm -hmm. Like they have so many players that I think could be really good. Um, but let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Who is your 
team that you think is going to be most disappointing? Not the worst team, just the team that is not going to meet expectations. So I'm not going to fully talk about it so I don't spoil my whole bracket of the video I'm making for Wednesday, but my biggest disappointment will be France. Whether, whether I'm saying they're falling on the group stage, round of 16, quarterfinals, you'll find out soon. But my biggest disappointment will be France. That's interesting because I have them in the final. I thought you were going to say England. (laughs) No, I mean, so disappointment comes from expectation. I have no expectation for England. So for them to be a disappointment to me, only if they get knocked out in the group stage, which I doubt England will get knocked out in the group. I mean, no, they could. Yeah, I'll be very surprised. They're good at bottling, but bottling it. But I don't think England will. Now, Now, okay, I'll just spoil it a little bit. I do have France going through the group stage. They're not yeah. going to have the champions curse, but I have them going in second, which leads to a matchup with Argentina. Uh-huh. And I have them okay. I have them getting knocked out by Argentina. So, it's not that much of a disappointment because if, if those two face each other, right, you can lose, but that will be a little bit of a disappointment because I think France does have enough talent to at least make it to a semifinals, to a bare minimum, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have that. That would be my biggest disappointment right there. Also, people figured out their game by now, right? The transition game. So they're going to have to figure something out, work with Benzema maybe a little bit better and see how that goes. But it's harder to stop a transition game than it is to stop a, a full-on attack, in my opinion. Because the mm-hmm. only way you stop a transition game is you can't really go forward that much. or You, have you stay to, deep. You stay deeper or you have to protect yourself with numbers. Uh, you know, so even when you have the ball, you have to be constantly thinking about transitions. That's why so, Argentina is a nightmare of a matchup to France. Because that, that's how they play Brazil. They let Brazil have the ball. They're going to just give it to France. And France might not want it, but it's going to be like yeah. a hot potato. It's going to be like a hot potato. Argentina is Argentina. Scaloni is very smart. If he plays France, he'll know what to do in terms of that. Now, obviously through the 90 minutes with all those world-class players in the game, there's so much that can happen. And and yeah. absolutely, France can defeat Argentina. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that might be a nightmare scenario. Like, France probably rather prefers to play Brazil. That will actually be ball-dominant and try to go after them rather than playing Argentina. It might be better for France to face Brazil. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. Now... We're talking about the Rio Champions League. The Hang on. Athlete. I have to give you my most disappointing team first. Oh, you didn't? No. I thought you said I, England. Oh, no. You suggested I me saying I thought you would have England. My most disappointing mm-hmm. team is going to be Belgium. And mm-hmm. the reason I say that is because I still think a lot of people expect them to be challengers for this World Cup. They're like, this is Belgium's last chance. I think their last chance was in 2018. Mm-hmm. I think this team is a lot older uh, they've lost some key players who are sort of aged out. They still have a lot of them, but they're not the same players they used to be. And the young players are not the same level. Eden Hazard is not the same player he used to be. Neither is Thomas Vermalen. Neither is Toby Alderweireld. You know, neither is a lot of guys that they still... Even Lukaku is not the same player he used to be. So I think that this Belgian team will get out of their group, but I think they'll fall in the second round of the quarterfinals. I don't think they will be a contender. And I don't... I 
question for you actually in regards to that. Is Belgium your biggest disappointment or you're basing the disappointment on other people's expectations? Because I know on you already yeah, you already didn't have that big expectations for them in this edition. But in terms of the teams that you do have an expectation, is there any team that you feel like is likely to disappoint you? Not people that just rate Belgium highly that will disappoint you specifically. Like France is disappointing me because I expect them to go further. Um, Belgium, I agree with you. So I, it's possible that Argentina could disappoint. Um, I expect them to do well in this tournament. I have them getting third place, uh, and I think it'll be a great tournament for them. But but it's possible that, again, just the, the pressure that they're facing, I think maybe they could be a team that disappoints me. And I don't really have a lot of rational reasons for that. That's why I don't have them as like an underachiever. Um, I have Belgium because I can point to reasons why I don't think they'll be as successful. Remember, they're ranked first in the world right now in FIFA rankings. So it's like that's why for me, if the, or second, are they second? So they're yeah, second. Brazil. Brazil's first now. Brazil's first. Belgium's second. If the second team gets knocked out in the second round of the quarterfinals, then to me, that's underachieving, right? I can give you a reason for Argentina. Okay. They if they just heavily rely and believe Messi's going to carry them and don't play as a unit as a team. Yes. They will fall early. If Which they is the rely. story of their World Cup for the last 10 years, 12 mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Okay. Now, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's it. Uh, should we do golden uh, golden ball? Who's going to be player of the tournament? We can try. The, the thing with player of the tournament is usually it's just the best player of the team that wins. So who do you um, think that's going to be? So if it if I'm saying Brazil is going to win, um, probably Neymar. Okay, that's what I mean. If you think Germany's going to Germany's a tricky one though. It's a tough one. I think it's going to be Thomas Mueller. Him, Neuer, Kai Havertz could be a key player. Maybe, maybe Timo Werner. Maybe. No, not no, no, no. If Timo <laughs> Werner, no, no, See, no, the no. World no. Cup is different. No, no. Here's the thing though: you have to, the World Cup is completely different to your club form. I've seen players go into World Cups in terrible club form and they go with their team and something just clicks. They get hot at the right time and all of a sudden they do well. But you still don't give Timo Werner the best player of the World Cup award. It's kind of like giving the Ballon d'Or to Jorginho. You just don't do it. Even I though mean, he kind of he kind of deserved it through accomplishments, but you just don't give it to him. You just don't. <laughs> <laughs> you really Can't don't want him to have a golden ball. No, not Timo Werner. Give it to Kai Havertz. Give it to Thomas Mueller, Manuel Neuer. For Christ's sakes, give it to Hansi Flick on the bench. Just don't give it to Timo Werner. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Are you ready to go to Champions League? Which one? CONCACAF. Love it. Let's do it. So they were in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. On Tuesday night, New York City FC will play Seattle. Sound Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, on Wednesday. I'm sorry, not on Tuesday. On Wednesday, it will be in Seattle. That's the first leg. And then the, the following week, they will play the second leg. Filippo, I believe you'll be doing a live stream for that game, right? I'll be doing for the second one. I won't be able to do it this Wednesday. So the oh, second leg, Wednesday. I'll do it. Yeah, not this one. I won't be able to do it, but I'll be doing it next week for sure. Gotcha. And the other game, the other semifinal is two Liga Emekis teams. They didn't match them up. Um, Pumas versus Cruz Azul. Who do you what do you think about these these matchups? So the the United States one, right? So there's a United States one and there's a Mexico one. 
it can go either way, right? The MLS one, it can go either way. Last season, New York City FC won MLS Cup, and the Sounders did not. The Sounders mm-hmm. dropped early to RSL in a very weird game, right? Where where Greg Berhalter would say that he's never seen such a dominant performance from the Sounders, but they lost. Yeah. Nonetheless, to say, if I had to choose one that I thought had a better chance of winning the final against Cruz Azul or Pumas, whoever it is, I would pick the Sounders. I Same. think they, they have a better chance. New York City yeah. FC won. They are affiliated to Manchester City. You know how they do in the Champions League. Two, they just aren't looking very good. It seems like they won MLS Cup because they just picked up form at the right time. There's also yeah. that Philadelphia Union game where Philadelphia didn't have their entire team because of COVID. They were missing like 12 players right. or eight players or eight were starters. So Sounders are a better team. That's just the truth of the matter. They have also yeah. plenty of experience. The coach is good. I would they prefer have a lot more depth too. I mean, if you look at they brought in Albert Rusnak to an attack that already had Rui Diaz, Freddie Montero, Nico Lodero is now coming back. You know, Jordan Morris and Rodan are always there. They've added youngsters like Obed Vargas to that attack and to that midfield. So even Joao Joao Paulo, the Brazilian, like if you look at that midfield and attack, it looks very deep and again very cohesive. A lot of these guys have played together for quite a while now. So overall, and defensively, they looked pretty solid too. Um, overall, I'm with you. I think Seattle, I kind of almost want Seattle to win this because I think they have a better chance in a, in a one-off final um, to go and win this for CONCACAF, for MLS rather, win CONCACAF for MLS. Yeah, I'm going with Seattle winning it because I want to believe that they can actually win the whole thing. So that's my main reason. Now, the the Mexico side... You do have Pumas versus Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul is ahead of Pumas in Liga Mekis. And right now, Cruz Azul just defeated Atlas over the weekend. Atlas is a pretty strong team right now yeah. in Mexico right now, despite maybe the name not being very glamorous for anyone that doesn't watch Liga Mekis. But at the same time, they seem to be in better form. And then you have Pumas. They defeated Juarez. They had a tie with... Mazatlan, which to be honest, I haven't watched Mazatlan play at all. And they lost to Nekasha. It seems like Cruz Azul is in better form. Mm. But again, I'm not a Mexican soccer expert, and no. I don't know. I, I'm, if I had to go with the, the favorite pick probably to win, it's probably Cruz Azul, the more likely to make it. But I yeah. don't know how these two teams will match. I haven't really watched them enough to have a, an, inf- an informative opinion. That's the way to put it. I'm doing an ignorant opinion. It'll be fun. I think we will see a Cruz Azul uh, Seattle Sounders final, which is going to be great. And then we're all going to be Seattle for that game, right? Yes, uh, except for the Timbers fans. We except know for that... Timbers fans and probably Vancouver fans too. We haven't asked that. If you're from Vancouver yes. and you're listening to this, drop your review saying if you would go for the Sounders or not. We had Timbers fans mention that in comment on Twitter. So yeah. we know Timbers fans want Seattle to lose regardless. But, yeah, maybe they can let us know, our fellow yeah. Canadians. You should ask uh, Manuel. Doesn't he live in Vancouver? Well, he – yeah, but he's not really a Vancouver fan. He's going to go for MLS. Um, gotcha. Okay. I think he wants MLS to win. I can ask him again, but he was, like, very excited when MLS was winning. So I think he just wants MLS to win it regardless. Good. Good, good, Manuel. Yeah. All right, so now to the lesser Champions League, <laughs> the UEFA Champions League. Our boy, Christian Pulisic, faces Real Madrid this Wednesday. Guys, I will be doing a live watch-along for that game. 
noon Pacific time, um, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Christian Pulisic's record against Real Madrid is pretty pretty good. Semifinals last year, he got a goal in the first leg and came off the bench in the second leg to get a beautiful assist to knock them out. Are we going to see repeat heroics from the American LeBron James of soccer? <laughs> Sorry, I, it's, a, I it's mean, a hilarious moniker. I mean, it's not just Real Madrid, right? It looks like Pulisic likes to show up in any Champions League knockout rounds. He did against... He did against Liu on the round of 16. Last year, he got man of the match against Porto in the quarterfinals. He got an assist to put the nail in the coffin against Atletico Madrid in the round of 16. Mm. And then, obviously, in the final, he should have had that goal against Manchester yes. City towards the end, but he didn't. I don't know. Um, two games against Real Madrid. This Real Madrid side is looking very strong. And I know they struggled against Barcelona, and people are going to pull that up. But trust me, this team is is a serious candidate to win the Champions League. I actually have them knocking out Chelsea on my predictions. I think they'll knock out Chelsea. Oh, but I do think I do think Pulisic will will show up. I don't know if he'll get a goal and assist, but I think he'll have strong performances in one at least of the two games. Um but I think Real Madrid will go through and the current champions Chelsea will be knocked out unfortunately because I kind of wanted Pulisic maybe to get a second Champions League trophy already right leading to the World Cup. Do you that do you Who do you have going through on this one? I still have Chelsea going through, and that's probably the biased American in me. But also, they look very cohesive under Thomas Tuchel. They really do. And and even though they haven't always been perfect in league play, you know, when when it matters, they seem to show up. I don't know if I have them winning the Champions League again, but for this game, I still think Real Madrid has problems to sort out. We saw that against Barcelona, even though they do look strong. I just think when it comes to, you know, high-intensity, high-pressure games like this, it's hard to bet against a Thomas Tuchel team. He's really got them playing. Even when they don't play well, they find a way to get a result. You know, like we saw in, in the FA, uh, the Carling, what's it called now? Carabao Cup <laughs> final against Liverpool. I think Real Madrid's a lot stronger than last season. Um, a couple of things, Come right? On, what am I talking about? I'm sorry. They lost that final to Liverpool. They did yeah, not they, win that final. They, they lost, they, on, they lost on penalties. Yeah, my yeah. bad. My but, I, but my overall point is that they 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 generally look quite strong when when it matters. Yeah, I I just think Real Madrid is stronger than last season too, right? Um, if you look at the team, yeah, they had Vinicius last year, but he really broke out this season. I believe Alaba wasn't with them last year. They had Varane, mm. and you see there there were shaky moments from Real Madrid last. I, I could be wrong with that. No, Alaba just moved. Yeah, I got Real Madrid going through. But this is a this is a game a must watch. That's all yeah. I'll say for everyone. This is probably this is the best game to watch this round. There is one game that I can talk about if you want very quickly yeah, go for it. that I think is quite interesting. Not because I think the levels match as much as Real Madrid and Chelsea, because I think there is a gap. But it's Manchester City and Atletico Madrid, and I find this matchup fascinating. I do yes. think there's a massive gap of talent between Manchester City and Atletico Madrid. It's pretty big, um, even though Atletico is no pushover and it's a very strong squad. But I kind of want to see that duel of Pep Guardiola and Simeone, yes. how they're going to match, right? You're going to see... They're like opposites to each other. Yes. Almost, right? It's, yes. It's the possession, the attacking, the beautiful soccer versus the like... It's the... Un, what is it? The, the, the expression... The immovable force meets. Meets. Uh, no, no. It's um when uh, 
Oh my goodness. The Joker says it on Dark Knight. The unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Yes. That's yes. what it is. That's what yes. Manchester City versus Atletico Madrid is to me. Atletico. Yes. It's pretty much like Simeone is the anti Pep Guardiola. And yes. I kind of want to see how they're going to match up. That's a matchup I'm excited for because there's also a talent gap. Manchester City is a more technical and more talented team. There's no questions about that. But Simeone knows how to play these games. These are the games he lives for, right? Yeah. So I'm interested to see that. I think many people are discounting Atletico Madrid. They think Manchester City got this and it's going to work and they're going to finally go through and maybe win the Champions League. This is probably one of the worst matchups Pep Guardiola could have and he got it in the quarterfinals. So that is an interesting matchup. I want to ask your opinion on this, though. Do you still have Manchester City advancing? I have Atletico Madrid advancing. You have Atletico Madrid? Yeah. I said I said the same thing, too. Um, I Atletico. think that Pep is going to tinker. He's going to come up with some bizarre lineup or tactic that he's not used before because he overthinks it, and I think that's not going to help him. Could be. I think he's just not going to be able to break the bunker, and Atletico might kill yeah. on the, the – I don't think he's going to overthink. I just think there's just not going to be much to do about it. Simeone is going to make this game just crap to play, essentially. Yeah. That's what he's going to do. The other two games, Pete, are Villarreal and Bayern. And I know mm-hmm. Villarreal is also no pushover, knocked out Juventus. But I just have Bayern going through. I can't yeah. see a scenario where Villarreal knocks out Bayern. No, I just I can't see it, see it either. I'm and with you on that. Now, Benfica and Liverpool is an interesting one. But I'll say the same exact thing. I don't see a scenario where Benfica knocks out Liverpool. I don't see it. Same. So what we would have is Liverpool-Bayern and the two Madrid sides advancing. So two Spanish teams, one German team. I have Chelsea. Oh, sorry, you have Chelsea. Yeah. So you would have two English teams, Liverpool and Chelsea, and then you would have Bayern, a German team, and Atletico Madrid. I would have Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, and Bayern. Oh, could we have maybe a Real Madrid-Atletico Madrid final again, like we had a couple years ago? I I doubt it i don't think they're both strong enough to i think it's unlikely that both of them will get to a final perhaps one but not both that's fair and i think that does it for the champions league here i think that we covered all the games. is there anything else we we need to talk about or is that it today i think that's all and just one thing to remind everyone we're gonna definitely ramp up the number of episodes on the podcast eventually try and do it two times a week depending on how things go maybe three Right now, we're just getting it started. This is our fourth episode. Please drop your review yes. and blah, blah, blah. I'll let you do the closing, Pete. Yeah. Again, thanks so much for all the ratings and reviews you guys have given us. Hit us up with your thoughts. Vancouver fans, if there are any of you listening, Vancouver Whitecaps, what do you think about Seattle winning uh, the CCL? New York City fans, hit us up if you think we're wrong about Seattle <laughs> and you think you have a good shot. Let's hear your thoughts too. New York Red Bulls, I'm guessing, will probably be rooting for Seattle in this game. They don't want their crosstown rivals winning it. Uh, Yeah, as always, give us your World Cup thoughts, your thoughts on the Matt Turner situation. I mean, this is a community, right? It's about you guys telling us what you think as well. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out our two YouTube channels. 11 Yanks is mine, and Tactical Manager TV is Filippo's. And thanks to Dustin, who does a lot of good work to edit and put these episodes together for us. Does the work that you and I are not great at. So guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.